This week, we talk with Chef Brian McCord, culinary director of the Ignite Restaurant Group, locally based in the region of Waterloo. We talk with Brian about his start in the culinary world, how music and DJing has played a part in his career, the evolving restaurant kitchen culture, Detroit pizza, the importance of developing a solid restaurant concept, and celebrating the local food and beverage scene. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast, coming to you from Studio 258. I'm Kip, with me is Dan, as always. What's going on, man? Uh, another day in paradise, no change in my life, that's for no, damn sure. Working from home and just... Uh, Fucking right, nap every day at lunchtime and then uh, it's great. You're very clear that nobody who works with you listens to this, huh? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I'd be fired pretty much tomorrow. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, the same same situation with me too, nothing yeah. changes. How's business? It's shitty. Still? Yeah, yeah, it's still shitty. Well, the weather's been pretty awesome. Yeah. We, we need we need things to get cold or rainy for people to want to come into a speakeasy basement. But yeah, that's true. It'll happen. It'll yeah, happen. Yeah, give it about a week or two. Literally. I'm not, I'm not, um, we're recording this on August 31st. I'm not, I don't have high hopes for Labor Day weekend. No. Uh, so <laughs> we'll just try, I'm just trying to get to the end of September. <laughs> so we'll see if, we'll see if we can make it. Uh uh, okay, so a shout out as always to uh, at Zach Hanna Design, who does all our artwork. That's at AK. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check him out, and if you need any graphic work done, he is the man. And there'll be links to him in the notes at the bottom of the podcast as well. Yeah. If you like the show, uh, subscribe, rate, review. That's the only way to really help us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know what you're waiting for. Just do it. Uh, just yeah. do it. Uh, we have a great guest, so we're just going to get right to it. we got a lot to talk about with... Uh, our guest today, uh, someone I've worked with before locally and someone who's had quite a storied career in culinary arts, it's uh, Chef Brian McCourt. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you, lads? We're good. We're good. Yeah. This yeah. is uh, all good. Yeah. Nothing to report. <laughs> nothing to report at all. Uh, but you got a lot of shit going on. Uh, so you're working with uh, Ignite Group now in locally, yep. right? And they own, uh, we'll just walk us through what restaurants they're involved in. So currently, we've got um, Graffiti Market, which is in Belmont Village there. And attached to that, we have Red Circle Coffee Co., Red Circle Brewing Company. We have the Rich Uncle Tavern, which is located downtown, close to you, by mm-hmm. Sugar Run. Um, we have a line of sauces called Wilhelm's. So we've got like barbecue sauces, marinades, jams, and stuff like that. And then we're about to open Crow's Foot Smokehouse out in Conestogo. Right, so, a few things on the go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. what's that? Do you? I, I mean, I know this is a stupid question to ask so anyone who's ever opened a business, uh, specifically or something in the restaurant bar industry, knows that these target dates are ridiculous. But like, do you have an any idea of what time when this Crow's Foot place is going to be open? Crow's Foot. So out there today, actually met with uh, a friend of ours, Steve from So Cold, one of the. Yep. Um, restaurant supply guys. Oh, we'll get into Steve later. <laughs> yeah, for sure we will. Um, so we're hoping for the end of September. But okay. you know what? There's been issue after issue after issue with that location. Like, yeah, we, didn't you guys we've have owned a... it. We've owned yeah. it for fucking two years. Yeah, and didn't you guys have an issue with the land? Like there was some contamination or something? There was asbestos. There was, yeah, there was asbestos that wasn't disclosed um, oh. when the sale went through. So once they started pulling stuff out, they noticed how much was actually in there. Yeah. And yeah, it's just one thing after another. The, la- the latest thing is the fucking hoods were installed wrong. Oh, so that's now, good. 
we have to remove the hoods, get custom dampers built. So the hoods need to come down, new dampers in. So that sells back another three weeks to a month. Oh, fuck, so. super cheap that stuff too. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's. I had crazy. a fire damper problem at that sugar run too. That was just I. I can't even get into it. I was like, I just the words fire damper is like kind of is a trigger right. for me now. Um, so it's a company called Spring Air that are designing it for us, and they're a big company, so they're not dropping what they're doing in order to accommodate us. Right. right? We're just a small little restaurant group out of KW. They're right. like, mm, we'll get to it when we get to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's exciting. You must. Uh, so your role um, for Ignite Group right now, we're going to get into some of the, your history and how you got to where you are. Yeah. But the, um, just so people understand, you're what's referred to as executive chef for all of these? Or culinary director. Culinary. See, I wasn't, even, I wasn't even close. Fucking titles, man. <laughs> oh, I know the titles don't matter, but explain yeah. to us. Like, for, so if you're a culinary director of like, you you oversee all of these places, is that accurate? all of the locations? Yeah. I have chefs at I have chefs at each location, sous chefs and full teams at each location, and I just manage them. I just inspire them and um, try and create good culture within our establishments, um, lead them in the right direction when it comes to menu development, um, coach them in labor costs, food costs, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Connect them with farmers and. You know, all the fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of interested in this because I've never really understood exactly what that role is. So do you, um, like, how much hands-on do you have in, like, say, May- like, I know you're not back there behind the line cooking very much anymore, probably. But, uh, sometimes uh, I am, yeah. Oh, you are, yeah? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I enjoy, um, yeah, digging in with the crew. If it's a busy, it's a busy night or any functions or anything like that, I'm definitely in there with the, with the crew. I'm not okay. wanting to be sitting... At a desk behind the computer, yeah. like, that just drives me fucking mental, you know. Like, right, but how much of your time gets sucked up with shit like that now? Uh, probably about seventy-five percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lot. But you know, when it comes to menu development with the crew, I like to get in there with them and uh, mm-hmm. and and inspire them and create with them. You know. So would you say that all of the menus at all of these different locations, you definitely your fingerprints are all over them? Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say about eighty percent. Like, I I like to well, with with Crow's Foot, um, I have Chef Carl over there, um, mm-hmm. Eric Howell and Mike Manley being two sous chefs. So I kind of let them do their thing, and if I have to step in, I'll step in. If things aren't going right when during all these tastings and experimenting, then I'll step in. But with Crow's Foot, it was pretty solid. The crew did a great job. We yeah, just actually good. finalized the menu last Friday, so that was. A huge weight off my shoulders, you know. Yeah, and, and how long does the process take? Because I know, um, for instance, I I was back when I was still working with Carl at Rich Uncle. He was he was already starting his planning for the menu back then. Like we've been planning this for about a year and a half, right? And we yeah. were so fucking ahead of the game, so ahead of the game. And then obviously COVID hit. Yeah, and it just every, right. every, everything back five months, right? Is that typical? Then, like, the, like for instance, like I, like I'm not running a like a giant restaurant, and uh, also nor am I working for a conglomerate. So, like, for us, like the menu, I mean, it didn't, it doesn't take a year, right? Like, it takes right. maybe a, a couple months of dicking around, and then you you get something you're happy with. Like, is that for typical sure. for the size of a restaurant? Typical, like, yeah, you're looking at about two months or so to mm. to dig in, and especially with Crow's Foot, with it being german inspired smokehouse like i don't really know fucking much about german food right i'm right. irish you know yeah. but yeah <laughs> lots of similarities when it comes to like meat and potatoes and 
fermenting. And so it was a lot of experimenting, a lot of reading. And yeah, so it was and a good check to fucking check off my to-do list. Was the yeah. Thing and is that, is, is that like the experimentation and the learning about all these different food? I, was, I assume that would be something that's pretty fun for you. Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah. 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 It's something that, that, that keeps me going and drives me, you know? of uh, learning new cuisines and new techniques. And so, yeah, and even with barbecue, like I've experimented with barbecue at home on my smoker, but not nothing on the scale that we're about to do out of Crow's Foot. Like right. these smokers we got are fucking beasts. So basically these motherfuckers got to keep open in places or... Sure. Big... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think they might slow down after this. Yeah. Like, you know, I think with COVID, like we've taken a, taken a significant hit when it comes to uh, the bottom line, right? Well, sure, so, like that. Like everybody has the same to. Boat, yeah, hey, yeah for sure. Out of curiosity, these smokers at Crow's Foot, are they going to be uh, wood or pellet smoke? No, they're wood, yeah. Oh, so, wood, eh? so I was um, left um, to do some research on smokers. So I was looking at offsets. I was looking yeah. at Southern Pride, which are pellets. Oh, I was yeah, looking I've at those, yep. um, water, H2O, um, smokers and then i found this company jnr manufacturing in mesquite texas and they have there's about three locations in toronto that have these smokers so adamson's cherry beach smokehouse and i forget what the third one is so when i reached out to the guys at jnr manufacturing they're like why don't you go down to toronto and check out what they can do so mm -hmm. adamson's being the biggest barbecue or well-known barbecue joint in toronto he adam opened up his door we went in and um we checked out these smokers and they're fucking unreal. Like yeah, they cool. can hold up to 1200 pounds of brisket. Jesus. And we got two of them. So like <laughs> they're massive. I'm vegetarian. So that sounds like a crime scene to me, but <laughs> are, you, are you a vegetarian? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Don't you remember? I used to alter all your shit back at Salute. For that really? That long yeah, ago? Yeah. Holy yeah. Shit. I did, I yeah I 20, 20 plus years now. I kind of, like, the whole Salute days is a little a little fuzzy. You know? For all of us, that's why we're going to have to, I want to get into it, because maybe we can both figure out what the fuck happened there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, let's, back, let's back up now. So that's what yeah. you're doing now. Let's talk about what got you there. Uh, you grew up in Ireland. Grew up in Ireland, yeah. And um, food was a big part of our culture, like family get-togethers, like my granny up north in the north of Ireland. She was uh, pastry-driven, like breads and um, scones and tarts and all that so when we go up on weekends i'd always spend the time in the kitchen with her you know mm -hmm. and then my mother's mom katie she was it was always sunday dinners so food was a big part of her family you know bringing mm -hmm. people together so that's uh that's how i kind of got into food i guess was was with that and had you uh, so uh, what age did you come to canada we were 14. I was 14, 14. when I came Okay, here. so you yeah. hadn't started, like, really working yet, but you had already... But this is where you gained sort of your love for food and yeah. realized that it was always going to be a part of what you did, maybe? For sure, yeah. Like, so bringing, bringing the family together, right? Like, mm -hmm. and my brother was... He was a cook when I was... So when we immigrated here, he got a job at A&W, and then he moved on to Whiskey Jacks or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I got a job as a dishwasher at Whiskey Jacks at the age of 15 or something. So and describe what kind of place Whiskey Jacks is? Whiskey or Jacks West? is where Howl Up the Moon and Roxanne's are, is yeah. right now. Yeah. So it was a fucking like dive bar, bar grill, chicken yeah. wings. Freezer yeah. to fucking fryer kind of Freezer food. to fryer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I remember like working like 
we're conditioned and like hearing the stories from all the line cooks being like oh it was out last night to this time and, and this and this and this and I, I fucking looked up to them you know I was yeah. young I, was yeah, like, yeah. You know, I kind of kind of want to get on this line yeah and then somebody called in second I ended up on fryers and the rest is fucking history man yeah oh, wow. so okay so now I'm assuming at that age it's kind of like oh yeah it's kind of fun to be a cooking instead of washing dishes and you maybe mm-hmm. are a little more involved in the what's the party side of the lifestyle at that point but uh i'm sure you well i'm not gonna put words in your mouth but what this is probably a little bit before you realize fuck maybe this is what i want to do with my life right Mm -hmm. so when would you say that hit for you so that would have been i was working at a little bistro downtown kitchener called the strand bistro which was across from city hall it's where pizza pizza is downtown oh right fuck i don't even know that place what like what so year it was the bank the bank nightclub was above oh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so yeah. the strand there was a korean guy who owned it um what was his name bruce yeah mm-hmm. so it was <laughs> korean american fusion Ooh. it was kind of ahead of its time back then Mm-hmm. Tough selling downtown kitchen room, I guess, in a little bit. It, it was back <laughs> yeah. then. It fucking was. Yeah, yeah, like right now, you could pull that off. Down you could there, totally but, pull yeah, that yeah. off now. Mm. So I was working there, and Rob was the chef, Rob Kuntz, mm-hmm. and then they brought this sushi chef in called Charlie Parks, and he was a master sushi chef. So him and Bruce went way back from Korea, Japan. So he brought this guy in to help build boost sales. Mm-hmm. So he set up a little sushi bar in the back, and that's when it clicked for me. Was yeah, yeah. How, it's the art of it? Like, the art of yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, the flowers, making flowers out of carrots and, like, like fish sculptures out of fucking daikons. And it was crazy. And that's when I started taking food serious, you know. I was like, you could make a career out of this. And, you know, I was an artist. I did graffiti art back in the day. and. Mm-hmm. And you could use a plate in order to to make art. So right. That's and when you I also, started. Yeah, like I know you and I both have DJ backgrounds as well. We've spun yeah. records together several times, and that's sort of similar as well. Although you're kind of using other people's art to create your own in a way. For one hundred percent, I find that music and food go hand in hand. Like it's you're 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 mixing things together to make something beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah, that's well put. And then with and then with the um, the Strand Bistro. We started a club night up at the bank, and we were the first ones to do a drum and bass night in Kitchener Waterloo. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah so we would bring in like Marcus, uh, Sniper, like all these, all these crazy Toronto drum and bass DJs, and we would maybe get 50, 60 kids in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit of history there. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. I didn't actually, I don't think I even knew that about you. That's, uh, that's interesting. I, but I know that whole crowd that, uh, was into that back then it was always the same 50 people for sure but for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah but hey fuck getting 50 people in a bar right now is a gift so <laughs> yeah for sure it is 100 percent yeah, yeah. Uh, that's cool um okay so you're uh and uh, let's talk a little bit more about this uh, uh i just want to get a veer off for a little bit here like you mentioned um bringing the family together as uh, as a, that's something that's big for you with with regards to your culinary creations and also the art. Like, how do those two? Because they seem like they could be compl- on completely different uh, ends of the spectrum. So, mm-hmm. how do you bring those two together to sort of do what you do? What bring bring family together with, with 
the art with the, the, well, with the artistic part of it, you know what I mean? Like, cause you think, I think for the layman, like people think like a family meal, is just like, you know, throw a bunch of food on a plate and in the center of the table and everybody have at it type thing. So for me, like if I'm doing, like I usually host fucking Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas because of what I do. Right. Sure, like, yeah. <laughs> my, my mom's sick and tired of cooking. Like she's done it for so long, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it's planning and doing new things, you know? So yeah. like with Christmas, it's like getting a whole goose and, confine half of it curing the breasts and you know and then decorating the table like right. you know like, like making it a fucking full experience instead yeah. of just here's your slop sit down mm-hmm. you know, let's get <laughs> yeah yeah okay so that's kind of what i mean like i so so maybe i'm off base a little bit maybe that's just what all chefs do but i feel like there's some in in some restaurants that you're either the guy who does like the sort of high art type cooking or mm-hmm. you're the guy the family style restaurant but so this is what I'm getting at is like you you like to bring those two things together and I see it like I've worked with you like I've seen yep. your and I've certainly eaten at lots of places that you've been the chef like tell me how you go about bringing those two together. Oh, man, it's a tough question. Yeah, well, that's what, what I do here, buddy. You're I don't know what you thought you were getting frick. yourself into. <laughs> <laughs> Can I back out of this now? Yeah. Or what? <laughs> um, I just try and find inspiration where where I can, you know, like. And different different techniques and different styles of food, you know. Like I've um, I've I've learned from um, my sister was with a Lao guy, and I spent a lot of time with his mother, learning like LARP and all these crazy traditional Lao food. I dated an Italian girl. I spent a lot of time with her great aunt, learning seppoli and gnocchi and and all that kind of stuff. So so when it comes to putting art and food together i try and draw inspiration from wherever i can you know if it's mm-hmm. like going to the farmer's market or 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 what or, or whatever right but and re- reading too like like my studio in here like i've got fucking hundreds of books of of not just like north american food or irish food like scandinavian food african food latin food like i like everything like i like to push myself and learn different techniques and and um, bring that to the dinner table, especially right. when it's family, right? Because you start, you use them as guinea pigs, you know? Like, sure. you're experimenting on them, you know? So. And so for, for when you're crafting a menu, though, like, how do you bring all those influences together and not make it just seem like a hodgepodge of different cultures? Because you know how sometimes, like, like, you go to a restaurant and they've got, like, they're serving, like, egg foo young, and they're also right. serving, like, turkey sandwich. Right, <laughs> and then baked treats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, 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 so what we try, like what we try to do with Ignite is build restaurants that have a concept to it. You know, like obviously, mm-hmm. like Rich Uncle being the tavern. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at UK influence, Irish influences, meat pies, fish and chips, Scotch eggs, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But elevated, you know, and then keeping it super local. And then with graffiti, we knew it wanted to be an Italian theme, but pizzas we wanted it to be a little bit different, you mm-hmm. know. And then with Crow's Foot it being German smokehouse. So we don't have to have this hodgepodge of right. like, but you, you know, st- bon me tacos with yeah. fucking, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but, so, but uh, so maybe that's how you get it. Like that's kind of why this is maybe an ideal job for you is because mm-hmm. you have different restaurants to play with, like as opposed to like trying to put all your influence into all your different influences into one singular place. Right. For sure. Yeah. But, but with the Detroit style pizza, like we can get crazy creative with that. Like we're doing. Yeah. What's know, Detroit? What, what is Detroit style pizza? 
It is basically it's a Sicilian doll, like a focaccia doll. We okay. cold ferment it for two days in the fridge. Um, it's got a ton of cheese on it. So we use um, a local brick cheese spring bank there out of Woodstock mm-hmm. and a blend with some mozzarella. Mm-hmm. And, and it's basically cooked in a steel pan, like a blue steel pan. So um, the cheese caramelizes around the edge of the blue steel pan. You put your toppings on. So it's always cheese first, toppings, and then sauce after. So it's basically like an upside down pizza. Oh, okay. So sauce is always on top. So yeah, when when we were talking about graffiti, we were talking about Neapolitan style pizzas, Romano style pizzas, and then we stumbled across across Detroit style pizza. And with mm-hmm. Detroit, like I spent a lot of time as a teenager in Detroit at you know underground resistant parties, Richie Houghton parties, Jeff sure. Mills, fucking Juan Atkins, like all that. So I. Detroit, I love like, riding music festival is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, big deal. And even Jay Dilla, like Motown. Like, yeah, I, nice. So when we stumbled across Detroit Salt Pizza, I was like, holy shit, let's fucking, let's, let's try this out. Yeah. So there's a restaurant in Toronto called Descendants. So we ventured down there and Chris from Descendants, we, um, we had our minds fucking blown. It was the first time that I have ever been speechless in about 10 years from eating something. Oh, really? Yeah, it was it was next level. Like just the mm. caramelized cheese crust. So when I had that, I was like, we need to bring this to KW. Right. So we experimented, and I got fucking, I got super fat. Like I was just <laughs> like every bleeding day. Yeah. It was like new hydration, new fermentation. Like so, so we worked on that dough for about I'd say about three months until I until I nailed it. Oh, and wow. uh, and well, I've eaten there. It's pretty fucking good. People do enjoy it. Like people do enjoy it. Um, So uh, yeah, you were talking about. um, I just want to back up a little bit. You were talking about uh, okay, like what goes into Detroit pizza? Is that is Detroit pizza the same as Windsor pizza? Because I know Windsor. No, Windsor pizza is completely different. Yeah, Windsor pizza is still a round pizza, right? Right. But it's got like like julienne pepperoni on it. Hmm. Right, they're not pepperoni slices. They're like, uh, like shredded flaked. pepperoni. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I know Windsor pizza is a big deal too. I dated a girl who lived in Windsor or was from Windsor, so and yeah, it was it was huge. But and it's, it, that's also really good. But it's just completely different. Completely different. Maybe mm-hmm. that's one of our next ventures will be a Windsor mm-hmm. pizza joint. Yeah, they, they, someone should be doing that up here. Windsor pizza is solid. Yeah, my uh, parents actually. My parents just moved down to the Windsor area, so I've had uh, like recently had the opportunity to try it, and it's pretty. It's pretty good pizza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's the reason why like um, Richie Houghton's different than Derek Martin. Derek yeah, Carter, I mean, Derek Carter. Derek Carter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, um, okay. So we're going to back up again and talk a little bit yeah. about, uh, so you, you, what was the name of this uh, little cafe again? It was called the Strand Bistro. The Strand Bistro. And then, so at some point you move into it, like a lot of people have on this show that we've interviewed so far, move into the charcoal yeah. conglomerate. Right. And, and at a pretty young age, you get a pretty like, um, the high-ranking position there. So, yeah, when I left, uh, my brother was actually working at the charcoal, so the strand went tits up, mm. and then I was looking for, for work, and then my brother was like, well, I'll get you into the charcoal steakhouse. So I started at the charcoal on pasta bar. So that was in the old martinis. They had the pasta bar out there. Right. And, yeah, I just worked my... I worked there for about... 
I'd say about two and a half, three years. And I worked with some amazing chefs like uh, Geddes and Ralph Bretzenheimer. One was from Lithuania, one was from Germany. And these were old school, like strict ass fucking chefs. Like they would chuck spoons and pots at you. They would, if you made something like a pot of soup and they didn't like it, they would spit in it and tell you to fucking throw it out. Oh, this is like, right? like intense, man. Yeah. Like, so, talk to me a little bit about that culture. I'll just interrupt you for a little bit there and we'll yeah, get go back ahead. going. But, like, uh, yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about that uh, back of house culture because you and I are old enough to have seen kind of all of it, but I've always been front of house and just like sort of observing from afar and be glad to have right. done that that way. Like, what you're on that cusp of people who grew up sort of in that type of culture mm-hmm. and uh, and now you're training people in a completely different world of what goes on in the back of the house. And I'm sure some of that shit still happens, but like talk to me a little bit about how that's developed the culture in the in, in the back of the house. So back when I was growing up like as a young apprentice, um, it was scary. Like and it was it was long. Like you're doing sixteen hour days and you're not getting a pat on the back. You're getting screamed at. Like mm-hmm. you're fucking terrified to fuck up online. Like, you, like just yeah, it was brutal. But and you're you not know doing what? it. For, you would, you're, you're not doing you, it for the great money that that. No, it was either. like yeah. honestly, it was like eleven bucks an hour or something like that. And mm-hmm. you would just you would every day go in and just try your best, try your best hmm. until you got that pat in your back. Where I remember Geddes, like his thing was like you're showing finesse. Like, he would come up and be like, McCart, he's showing finesse. And you would be like, oh, yeah. fuck, like, whoa. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And that, yeah, and that yeah. would make you want to work for another six months of getting yeah. shit on, you know? Right, yeah. But then with me, like, growing up, I promised myself that once I got to a point where I'm running my own establishments, I am never going to treat anybody like that. Right. So for me, like, being treated that way was an eye-opener of how I wanted to run my kitchens. And so, do you feel like that, that that has changed overall, or do you think there's still plays? Like, I mean, obviously, you would only know about locally here at this point. Well, no, you've established in some pretty cool places. So, like, is that is that shit still going on? Or is, I don't think we, so. You know, I think in this day and age, like, with with so many programs out there where, you know, you, you could fucking... You can't treat people like shit, you know? Like, yeah. you, you, you can't. Like, there's you want to keep your staff, right? Like... There's so many restaurants out there in this day and age that if you treat somebody like shit, they're going to turn around and walk away and go to the next fucking place down the street, right? Well, and, like, I, I, we've talked about this on the program before, but, like, I find, especially line cooks, tend to have a very transient nature. That the grass is always greener somewhere else. So if you, if you don't treat them well, they're yeah. all the more likely to jump, right? And then it's hard to For keep sure. the team together. Um, For sure. Also, uh, let's talk a little bit about that, like... Talk about how, so what is the proper level of like, say, because some, sometimes you got to give some tough love, right? Oh, for sure you do. Yeah. So like, what, what is the level where like, how, how do you go about disciplining someone or just even correcting them or training them in, in the heat of the moment when shit's going down? It's calm and collective. And then one-on-ones after, like if somebody mm. screws up, it's not calling them out in front of everybody. It's making sure that, you know, they finish their job and you sit down and you coach them and you just, you know, you make them answer their own questions, you know, like, like what yeah. do you think you did wrong? Like, what could you do better? And let them walk away from it and gain something from it and come back the next day and hopefully learn from that, you know? So when I'm, you're in- I'm, 
I'm all about one-on-ones sitting down yeah. rather than screaming, you know? Sure. So, but when you're in the heat of it and you're, it's your fucking name on the menu, not theirs, right? Like, yeah. so if, so if somebody, if a guest is having a bad experience because of the food, because yeah. it's something that one of your line cooks or sous chefs or what have you fucked up, mm-hmm. do you find it difficult to keep your cool? Like, is that something you got to work on or is it just your nature? If it's the first time, I'm super cool. If it's the second time, might be a little bit more um, stern with them, but if it's happening consistently, like see, see you fucking later. Like, yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, invest time into somebody if they just don't get it, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's, and sometimes it's they don't get it, and sometimes they don't give a shit, and sometimes they're just not eager. They just it they just doesn't matter to them, right? Like they just don't care enough to learn. And try mm-hmm. and get better, right? So, yeah. what are you what are you going to do with somebody like that? But yeah, I, you have the same problems at the front of the house. Um, I, I think it's to, a, yeah, both, no, go, both go occasions, you know. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about, a little bit about the relationship between back of house and front of house, because you come up sort of in this tradition of like the servers saying "Chef, may I?" and for sure, what have you, right? Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Why why is that important? Um. It's just out of respect, I think, like the whole chef may I thing. But I don't, I don't agree with that anymore. Like, oh really? Yeah. Yeah. When I'm at work, like you don't have to call me chef. You don't have to call a call back. We chef. Like mm-hmm. I'm Brian. You know, like you're they're like my work family, right? Like yeah. I want to, I want to treat them the way I want to be treated. You know. Right. So, so uh, for me, like back of house, front of house, we're all one team. We're all one family. We should all, we should all get along because we're all under one roof trying to do the same thing and it's yeah. to fucking make a memorable dining experience for our guests you know mm-hmm. so yeah that's uh yeah i'm glad that you said that because i kind of feel this, that that era is over too like for i sure it and even to be honest with you there are people who come up in the sort of fine more fine dining area of mm-hmm. the business and i've still had people like say like kip may i when I'm fucking bartending, I'm like, may you what? Like, I'm just <laughs> fucking shaking a Cosmo over here. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't need that level of respect. Like, I, I, like you want, if you're in a position of authority, then you need a certain level of respect. Otherwise, you can't do your job properly. But, like, sure. but it doesn't need to be this kind of crazy, almost like asking for permission to talk to you shit anymore. No. Like, and, and, and servers shouldn't feel intimidated or threatened to come back and ask a question like, Hey, can I get that gluten free? You know, yeah. like you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to live in no. fear, especially no. at work. You know, like we're all in it together. Yeah, uh, and, and do you find like because um, I know that this happens at front of house and back of house where people are like, where especially if it's a new employee, maybe someone who doesn't have the experience, or just someone who's new to your restaurant and doesn't know the way you do things yet, and doesn't have the same knowledge base. Like we got to get over this shit where you make them feel like they're an idiot for not knowing what you've spent years learning. <laughs> right, right. Because that no, happens true. way too much. Like, it's still to this. It does. And, and I used to be that way back in the day, for no, sure. I, I, I wonder, like, I can't really remember. I probably was. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know me. My 20s and 30s in this business are a blackout now. But <laughs> I, th- I think <laughs> I probably was I'm like that. <laughs> I think I probably was like that. But now I'm just like, I don't understand. It doesn't do any good. No, like, it doesn't. It just it's bad for culture and it's yeah. bad for the environment and yeah. You yeah. want to be able to get through service 
in a happy mood and not right. fucking have anybody intimidated to come back or to fuck up or or whatever right yeah well my wife always says because she was sort of came to the business later in life and she's like you know like i mean we've every single person who's ever done the goddamn job at one point didn't know shit mm-hmm like so why we, we why started there yeah, yeah. exactly so why make someone feel like an idiot for not knowing shit now right I do feel like if they if they're showing after a while that they just don't have any desire to learn, well then that's that's a different it's scenario. Completely, completely different scenario. Yeah. yeah, but if someone's fucking trying and they just don't know yet, like don't you remember when you didn't know shit? Jesus, of like, course, of yeah. course. There's yeah, fucking I, years of that. My whole I, apprenticeship. Yeah, was fucking, I still feel I, I like I don't know. know shit sometimes. Like you know what I mean? Like, Seriously, like yeah. there's, there's kids that I work with that teach me shit every day that I'm like, huh. Oh yeah, 100%. Like my, uh, actually the first guest on this show um, was, is my head bartender and manager, Dan Collins, and he teaches me shit all the time. And I'm like fucking almost 20 years older than him and been in the business longer than he's been alive almost. No, yes, longer than he's been alive. And so that's that's fucking embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, But the second that you think you know everything, you're dead, right? Of course, of course. Like if if you're not, if you're not teaching or learning, or educating yourself day in and day out, then then what's the point of being in the fucking industry? Like, what are you? What are you? Yeah, what are you doing? Like, then you're just really cashing checks. Like, yeah, you might as well just work in a retirement home and uh, you know serve thick and liquid and yeah. fucking purees. Yeah, they make they make good money and they get benefits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, there's just so much interesting shit that you've done in your career that I want to get to, so I want to make sure we get it all in here. Um, let, and, and, and and then there's still a salute conversation to come. So <laughs> yeah, let's talk about when you're, when you're at Wildcraft. It's or at Wildcraft. You were at Wildcraft, but like in the charcoal circle, the bubble. Let's say um, yeah. you at some point. Uh, you you left and went back, right? So I was with the uh, Charcoal Complex when I was younger. And then um, one of the chefs, Ralph Retzenheimer, he left. And he went on to work at the Sheridan Four Points, downtown Kitchener. Right. And then he was also looking after a small hotel in Stratford called the Festival Inn. Mm-hmm. So I went and joined him as saucier. So I was just dealing with stocks, dressing sauces and stuff, like old school style brigade kitchen right like hotel right. style so i did that for for a bit and uh i fucking hated it but mm. like it was it was one of the worst decisions i made was to leave the charcoal complex to go travel with this dude and was it valuable learning experience it, at it, all? it was at the beginning but then i just basically got stuck in stratford like Right. And I would not see him, so I would. I wasn't. So you're not driving. learning anything from the guy you went to follow. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I wasn't driving at the time, so I would just fucking couch surf in Stratford, and right. Stratford was pretty shitty back then, man. Yeah, it was a yeah. lot, a lot of shitty yeah. shit going on. Yeah. So then I got an opportunity to open Rebel Creek Golf Course. Mm-hmm. With um, Winston Lewis, you know, Winnie, Winston. Yeah. I love Winston. So fucking, <laughs> and that was amazing. Like, I worked with Winnie for about three years at Rebel Creek, and he taught me so much about um, Caribbean food, Caribbean culture, roots rock reggae. Like, it was just, it was just amazing. Like, it was yeah. just, he taught me so fucking much. I hope that motherfucker listens and then, to this episode, because he's got to get on this show at some point. I love that, man. <laughs> I could, I'll, 
Do you want me to call him right now? <laughs> yeah, I, do a I still, yeah. I still talk to Winnie at least uh, like every second week. Like we touch base. Like he's he's a huge mentor to me. Like oh, that's he, right. Yeah, he, he's done a lot for me in my career, and then it leads to Salute. Like he was the one that we shut down in the winter, and he's like, "I got this gig for you." I know Steve and and John, and right. next thing you know, I'm sitting in an interview with um, with both of them, and I got the job. Okay, let's talk. I'm glad we're here. We had to get here eventually. So this is, I think, where we met, right? Yeah, this is all. Yeah. yeah, we met. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Here's my memory of what happened there. Now, I just want to start by saying I love Steve. I love John. They're both amazing people. I do, too. And I think even they would admit this, that they were a little bit in over their head opening that restaurant. So essentially, to just give a little background here, John was a chef and wanted to open a restaurant. Steve owned a restaurant supply company, like a restaurant equipment supply company, which which he does now again. Um, And so it seemed like to them a perfect marriage. Except they didn't have, neither of them had ever run a restaurant. So uh, when I came aboard, you were already there. Yeah. But I came on and like they were like, oh, we just need help at the front of the house. And I thought I was just, I was trying to get the fuck out of working at Rogers. And because I had like made a terrible decision to like take to leave the industry and go work at a fucking call center. Yeah, and, a good way to find out what you don't want to do, though. Is right. what, what I'm saying, yeah, you know, when, when, when you're crying in the shower before you got to go to start yeah, your shift. That's, <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's every morning. Yeah. yeah well, those are for different reasons. Um, <laughs> so I was like, so then I'm trying to get back. So I like, I, I had, I, I actually had left Ethel's. I went back to working at Ethel's, but they had less hours for me at this point because I was the new getting on the block again. And so I, I found out through somebody who also worked at Ethel's who was working part-time at Salute that they were looking for somebody. So I go in there and they like the front of house was just a disaster. Like they had no, no like, clue, no clue, no clue at all. And that's when I met you and you were the sous chef at the time yep, for John, right. right? Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about Salute. Let's talk about Salute. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. It, I mean, fuck it was like, honestly, the food there was fantastic. We did. We did a good job. Like yeah. I think, like with the circumstances that we were left with, me and you. Like obviously, like John was super talented. Mm-hmm. Like, but he didn't. He didn't have the passion to drive. Like I love him to death, man. Like I like I found that he just wasn't around. Like it, as soon as I came along, and he was like, "Oh, this guy can do it," then he just bounced. Yeah, and which, you wouldn't. And you wouldn't see him. Right. Well, I think so, that he was kind of like. He was happy, like, in his mind, he's like, I'm an owner now. This is yeah. the perks of being an owner is you don't have to be there. And, like, I mean, I, I've made that mistake before in my life as an owner and, and realized that's the last thing. Like, if you own a small business, it's got to be fucking there. You have like, to be. <laughs> you yeah. got to be that's there. That's your livelihood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, essentially what and, – and Steve, like, I mean, I think John talked Steve into doing it. Uh, and over took, some Jack Daniels, probably. Yeah, <laughs> and it took a long time because Steve didn't really want to do it. Steve and Wendy, both wonderful people. They now own So Cold Restaurant Supply Company. We were talking yep. about them earlier. Honestly, they're amazing people. And if you do need, if you're in the industry and you're looking for equipment, go, go check out So Cold. Go see Steve. He's got yep. your back. Um, but I, like, I think Steve, by his own admission, would admit that he didn't want to do it and now would never do it again. Uh, I don't know about that, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, think he, I think he would do it again. Like he has. Well, it'd be over Wendy's dead body. He's been like, <laughs> so he's 
Salute 2.0. Let's do it, McCord. Yeah. I'm like, are you fucking serious, dude? After how many learn? Jack Daniels? Yeah, did you <laughs> learn from your mistakes? And how many shirts did you, how many gloss shirts did you guys rip off one another when you were fucking oh, getting fuck. into the Jack Daniels? Okay, so this is what I want to talk about. So eventually, at some point, like, it was just essentially you and I were running the place because you, yep. John wasn't around and I was the front of house manager. And, and Steve was around, but he just, that's why he hired me to do it, right? So yeah. uh, and, <laughs> there was one. They they so much didn't understand the industry that like it would be the restaurant would be closed, and then all their buddies would show up. Yeah. And in their head, it was cool to ask like the bartender who was working that night to just sit around and serve their buddies for free for, for free. the rest of the night. Yeah. Sure. So like I was supposed to sit there for like two hours after I was done my shift, give them drinks, and, and not get paid. Not not get paid or tipped. Right, for sure, for yeah. sure. Like, while they just, yeah. while they smoke butt after butt after butt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the pro- and the problem is what? Yeah. <laughs> hey, actually, quick question for the, for the for the local listeners who don't know, where was Salute located? Actually, so it's where Nick and Nat's Uptown Twenty One is right now. Okay. And do you remember the? Pro- I don't know if they have that problem anymore, but um, remember? <laughs> do you remember like how many noise complaints we got from the people living in that building? up above oh yeah, yeah it was crazy yeah. constantly like, and, and it wasn't like we were running a nightclub down there it was just a fucking no like a small italian restaurant like that was the next owners after steve that turned it into a nightclub right and he turned into a late night fucking poker game fest if i recall yeah, some fucking <laughs> shady shit went on there and that, that's just uh yeah uh, so, I, I remember like so um when the new owners took over and he's like, hey, man, can you do this event for me? And I was like, what's, what's that? He's like, I just need you to come in, cook 50 steak dinners, baked potatoes, steak. And I was like, okay, like, what's going on? And he's like, just show up. <laughs> like, fuck you sh-. I show up, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on in the dining room? And it's a complete illegal, big money fucking poker game. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, not, like, yeah. 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 I, I was... <laughs> I was. I tipped, I'm just gonna say for the record, I, I was in a poker tournament with that guy one time. The guy yeah. who was the, the next owner. We didn't just say his name, but and he's one of the guys that wears the fucking mirrored sunglasses the whole time. Yeah, so you're like, boom. <laughs> but I tell you, I did get tipped very well at that event. Like I got yeah. laughed with like over a thousand bucks. Like, Whew. wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, that place though, like it had so much fucking potential. It was fucking amazing, man. Yeah, like, like it had so much potential. Like, I was trying to do... That was kind of when I first started doing cocktails, and I was doing some infusions and shit that, that wasn't happening a lot in the city at that point. Mm-hmm. You guys were kicking ass in the back, uh, like, turning out amazing pasta. Yeah. Uh, what was the... Uh, what was the one that... Uh, I think you still maybe do it sometimes. The, the salute pasta? Yeah, with yeah. the black beans and oh, the garlic so and the chicken. Good. So, so much good. garlic, though. It's like, literally, you'd have to eat it and then go directly home. Directly home. There's no going out, <laughs> chatting up women or anything. It's straight yeah. home. Yeah. But yeah, that's another time I got fat because I was eating that like every fucking day. It was like that or the penne vodka. Or the yeah, that yeah. I really well, I probably would have uh, got fat at that point too except for all the cocaine. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's another podcast. That's a different <laughs> podcast. That's uh, be part two and three and four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, lots of late nights and lots of fun there. But that place, 
yeah. For and sure. Then, so, so I don't know. Whatever. It's my fucking podcast. Well, I'll just tell the story. So how this, <laughs> how the original ownership went kind of under was um, one of the owners decided, decided to leave. He had had enough, and he just and emptied the safe. The safe, and then just fucking left. And half the bank account, I believe. And yeah, he was just like, yeah. well, this half of this is mine. It's mine. Yeah. And then he just took off. And they were and best. He, they were best friends. And and, the, like, but, but, and they still are. Like, they, well, I know they, somehow they are again. They but, rekindled uh, their relationship. Yeah. And that's good, actually, because they were tight. But, but like, I I remember showing up to work, and Steve's like. I get there and he's like stressed and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, you heard from John? I'm like, no, what? And he's like, come downstairs. He shows me the footage and I'm like, yeah. And, and, and like, not, I didn't say from John for fucking four years. Literally and packed up. Facebook. Yeah. Packed. <laughs> I was like, John yeah. Shepard? What? Yeah. Uh, he packed up and like, like, it was like a midnight move and then just took off to BC and didn't to tell BC. anybody. Didn't tell his business partner and best friend. Yeah. Like, and then crazy. moved into the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucks. That's it was that's crazy shit and, well, and now some other friends get and that's good because they were tight before that so yeah. I'm glad that they got over it but but we had a lot of fun there you know like yeah. we did some good food and mm. there wasn't wasn't much Italian food in the region I think there was Ennio's and Casa Rigatino mm-hmm. but we we were doing next better. level Italian food <laughs> yes yeah. much, much better I don't want to say better but you know well I'll say it because like it's, right. what, it's not my name on it so yeah <laughs> I, I'll brag for you it was better yeah <laughs> but again like I didn't know much about Italian food and it was a lot of a lot of reading a lot of research but like back then like like was Google around back then? Like, could you fucking Google shit back then? I, th- I think East East Side Mario's might have been the top Italian. Right, right, right. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't think so. Right? I, like, I, th- I think we're talking like pre-Google. I think right, we're so still in the flip phone era. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. me going to the KPL and like getting like fucking like Mario Batali books and and pushing myself to understand Italian food, and that's one of the things that I guess I I love like is Italian food, and it stems, it stems from Salute. I'm going to ask, just because you brought this up, I just think it's an interesting point to touch on that we haven't talked about on the show before. And this goes for front of house and back of house when you're creating cocktails or when you're creating food. Um, Has, like, has the ability to Google had a negative influence on this process? Um, I would say, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Because, cause, like, for me, like, I, if I'm doing menu development, I get all my old books out, I put them on the kitchen counter, and I go through. Mm-hmm. I'm not, like, Googling this, Googling that. And I see it with the young kids. I'm like, you, can you come up with a dinner feature? And they're like, fucking, you know, and they're looking yeah. at the first thing, all recipes, and it's shit. Like, and they're just focusing on the first recipe they see, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it has ruined it, you know? For me, I'm still... I'm, I'm a book guy. Like I like to sit down with my books and. And do you think it's because? Do you think it's because it's? Well, I, I'm just gonna say this. I'll, I'll say why I think it, that I agree with you about this is that googling in like Google's great for so many things in the life, but when you're talking about like the creative process of making cocktails or food, it's a shortcut, and nothing good ever came from a shortcut. No, for sure. Except getting totally to school. Good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. So, I, I think it's, it's, I think it's SMR. Now, now I will say this: it's not like, uh, like I'm fuck. We've all used it. Like, uh, probably this doesn't happen to you as much as it happens to people at the front of the house. But like, when somebody pulls out, like, oh, 
if you're running a cocktail lounge and they pull out some fucking ancient 1950s cocktail that you haven't thought about in so many years. Right, right. Yeah, it's good to be able to just give yourself a quick reminder. But yeah, it's like a reminder. It's not like... Yeah, and it's, it's not a creative process thing. That's a drink that already exists, right? Like, it's right. just a way to remind you. But I'm guessing that you're not, like, back there going, like, filet mignon, Google. Google. <laughs> what, is, what is filet mignon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you feel about... Okay, so this... One of the big differences between front of house and back of house is, like, if you're talking about the creative process, like, your menu's set. Like, people are going to order what's on the fucking menu. Like, when they come to a cocktail bar like mine... Nine times, well, not nine times a day, but at least half to, half of the time, people are trying to test you. It's like, can you? I don't. I don't want to go order off the menu. I want what I want, or I want something right. special. Uh, how do you feel about as like a chef who has, has spent all this time crafting a menu? How, because I know some people get mad about this. How do you feel about um, alterations on the menu orders, or people who are just like, can you make me this, or like, does that even happen anymore? It does, and it, it does piss me off. Like, yeah. if somebody comes in, like, I'll have this without this, add this, and I'm always like, sure, I'll do it, but if they don't like it, they can't complain about it because right. they basically just created their own fucking pasta dish That's or right. their own pizza, you know? So mm-hmm. I'll do it, but I won't be happy about it, mm-hmm. but they can't complain about it. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, I, I feel the same way. Like, uh, So, for instance, like... All our cocktails with a rum bar, they're all rum-based cocktails, right? And people yeah. come in and it's like, I want that cocktail, but I don't like rum, so can you put gin in it? And I'm like, well, what? I, no. <laughs> I mean, I can, but <laughs> you know right. what I mean? But, like, first of all, my um, head bartender, uh, at Dan's Calling, uh, if you want to check out some of his creations or on Instagram, uh, they're amazing. He spent, like, forever coming up with this these yeah, cre- creative cocktails that... W- that he used specific rums in to mm-hmm. provide a specific flavor. And you're not even changing the rum. You're changing the entire liquor. <laughs> yeah. You're going from a sugar cane to fucking juniper and yeah. fucking... Like, like why ridiculous. the fuck do you think that's going to taste good? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That, that's fucking, because people in this day and age know everything. And they just, uh, like you said, they, and they want to push you. They want to see... Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I always try and say to them like why don't you just fucking try one like i don't say it like that unless i'm really mad but like why don't you (laughs) why don't you just try it and if you don't like it i'll take it back no problem no cost to you and then we'll make you something different but like and 99 percent of the time they would order a second one if you gave it 100 percent, right Right. like it's like i don't like rum like you don't even fucking know what are you talking about bacardi yeah, you don't like rum and coke, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. That you had in Cuba that wasn't fucking rum and was watered down. Right, yeah. You like, know? Yeah, that's yeah, nah, crazy. So, how's Sugar Rum doing, man? What's going on there? Uh, hey, I ask the questions on this show. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. I'm going to start my own podcast then. <laughs> no, I appreciate you asking. It's, uh, it's going to be a rough go, buddy. It's like we're. Like we already would have been slow this time of year because it's so nice outside, and we're in the basement without a patio, without windows, and in the back of an alley. It's a speakeasy vibe, but it's like then you add to the fact that we're in a pandemic situation, and people are still a little bit nervous about sitting inside. inside it's it, sure. it's going to take some time, man. Like we're just yeah. trying to keep the nose up, but we'll get there. We'll get there. I think if we make it to cold weather, 
I'm good, right. but it's we're on a week to week basis right now. So right. So if you're listening and you want to support Sugar Run, come on down. Because <laughs> we're about to we're about to reopen the Uncle, and mm-hmm. you know from you look at all the establishments downtown that have closed, like B, Guilt. Um, who else is closed? Uh, well, that, that Jack Burger is now Jack Jay, Burger, yeah. Yeah. Rhapsody, Barrel Rhapsody. Rhapsody. That's that's the other big one is Rhapsody. Well, so I know like from talking to people, they're like the downtown core is 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 fucking dead. Well, that's the problem. And it scares me opening yes. the uncle again. Like what we are in store for. Right? Well, I think the best thing that can happen is for the uncle to reopen because we need to get back to this point where downtown because there's a place to go again right now like yeah. right right now it's like like my bar and the grand trunk uh and the grand surf which are two great bars down there as well awesome uh, that um we're the only places that are open but before we were we had, we had started a burgeoning community down there where downtown kitchener was a cool spot to go For and sure. now now it's just like a couple places where people are like why the fuck would i go down there like nobody nobody wants to sit in the same spot anymore all night like right because you you could do the uncle then over to grand trunk and then mm-hmm. over to sugar your establishment for a few nightclubs yeah you know? so yeah that's right you had that pub, pub crawl yeah feeling right like so it's hurting us but if we can stay open long enough to get you guys back open and then to for uh, people to start reinvesting in downtown kitchen and the restaurant and bar industry then it's gonna like we just gotta we just gotta like hang on by the at the edge of the cliff till that happens right yeah Yeah. till somebody comes by and with a with a long branch yeah yeah (laughs) no shit yeah Yeah. uh okay so uh, again this isn't this the show's not about me it's about you all right so focus (laughs) (laughs) sorry dude i just thought we were just a couple friends having some drinks (laughs) oh we are in front of in front of a fucking camera okay but i do want to talk about um some of the astaging you did because i think that's super interesting you did some pretty cool shit talk to me a little bit about that how, so, how, like first of all, sorry, just to focus it. Like, how did you, how do you even link up with something like that? Like, so with, um, you know, I got mad love for, for the fucking charcoal group, right? Like, mm-hmm. I spent eleven years with them. I got nothing but respect for what they taught me and what they have done for my career. Right. So working with that group, um, yeah, they gave me an opportunity to go to New York and to stage at two of Danny Myers' establishments. One was Gramercy Tavern. And then one was Marta. So that was uh, a paid stage that they sent me down just, just to see what the fuck was happening in New York, you know? But how, how does that connection even happen? Um, so Jody has sent a few front of house managers and cooks down to Gramercy Tavern. That's one of his favorite restaurants in New York. So did he so have a, he had a connection? He has already? a connection, oh, yeah, okay. with... Um, I don't think directly with Danny Myers, but with somebody in that group. So yeah, it was it was awesome. I spent two days at Gramercy, and then I spent two days at Marta. Um, Gramercy, they wouldn't let me pick up a knife. It was just basically standing on the pass and observing everything that happened while getting fed a fucking twenty course meal each yeah. day. Well, that doesn't sound Which is pretty yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I brought my knives. I wanted to learn. Uh, yeah, you're there to work. I get right, it. But, right, right. Uh, and they were like, they made me sign a waiver because I was um, I was Canadian and right. I wasn't making any money and I couldn't happen liability. Blah 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 blah. 
So then when I went to Marta, it was completely different. Like they're like, you got your fucking knives? Like get the fuck on this station and let's go. Oh, so cool. I was yeah. thrown into the fire and I was working pizzas. I was working the wood fire pizza oven, first time doing it. And I was like, holy fuck, like yeah, yeah, yeah. getting smoked because yeah. they were short stocks. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it was a it was crazy experience, you know, just being and then hanging out with the crews after, having drinks with them, learning about their culture and and um you know, and, and, and it was just, it was during the period where um, they put a stop to um, a lot of Latins working for fucking fuck all in New York, right? So, so basically, yeah, like, a lot of the immigrants couldn't work in New York anymore. So right. they were finding it hard to get staff because who wants to work for fucking 12 bucks an hour? So here comes this fucking free help from Canada. Here comes this free <laughs> fucking Irish Canadian with fucking knives strapped to his back. Like, let's yeah. do this. You know? yeah, so, yeah. so that was a lot of fun. And then in Ireland, um, the Chop House, which was Ireland's number one gastro um, pub. So is that in I, Dublin? That's in Dublin. Yeah. yeah so Kevin, uh, I learned about him through um, the fucking layover, Anthony Bourdain's layover. So oh, when he okay. was in Dublin, he went to Kevin's establishment. So I reached out via Twitter. I said, I'm going to be in Ireland. Like, do you take stages? And he's like, yeah, no, no fucking problem. So I went out and hung for two days at, uh, yeah, at the Chop House. And they were telling me crazy stories about drinking with Bourdain. And, yeah, it was mental. So going down to the fish markets, picking out your fucking fish for the day. Like, it was amazing. So, you know? um, this culture of staging at different places is like... Yeah. yeah. It seems like obviously you have to be kind of a cool spot who's interested in paying it forward to mm -hmm. accept people who are interested in that. But is is the culture basically like if you're an eager, interested person and you reach out, like is that kind of how that works? That's for I'd say about like seventy percent of establishments are like that. But then you get into your like Noma and and all that shit that there's a waiting list for. Right, and for, for that, stagiaries to come in, right? So, so then they can get like into like almost like an application process. For an application labor. process, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of these like small places in Ireland, they're just like, "What wow, free fucking labor? Let's do this," you know, like. Well, let's fucking do this anyway, though. Like, like let's all be doing this. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, free labor is great. Don't get me wrong, but like. But learning. But learning, like, and let's pay it forward. Like, if 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 it's, if somebody. I'll pull it, throw it out there right now. If somebody wants to come and learn from the team at Sugar Run, fucking just let me know. We're in. Like, we, like I want to pay all this forward. Like people like you and I have been in the game for so long. Mm -hmm. There's a certain level where we like we mentioned it earlier that you're always learning. But at some point, the the constant learning turns into more like where it's like seventy percent learning and 30% teaching, that flips. And now it's like 70% teaching and 30% learning, right? For sure. And I am I am 100% down to come and stage at your establishment in the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, honestly, I swear to God, you and I have been friends for a long time, but yeah. if, if, I, if I returned that offer, you would yell at me so hard that it would just, it would just hurt my feelings because I'm such a terrible cook. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's talk about um, getting back into uh, where you are right now in your career, kind yeah. of. Like, um, obviously, you've reached this point where you're like, 
Like, where, where do you feel like you can go from here? Do you, have you ever had any interest in, like, owning your own spot? Or I, I, like, 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So the whole thing with joining Ignite was that there was a partnership on the table. And, okay. And, yeah, so there's something in the works, and that's, and that's where I want to be. You know, I want to, obviously, like, in our industry, there's no pension or anything like no. that. Like we have, we really need to save or RSPs or fucking stock markets or whatever in order to protect ourselves for down the road. So, mm-hmm. so for sure, I want to have my own establishments. You know, like my my dream would to uh, operate a pizza barn, something oh, yeah. that has multiple different styles of pizza. If it's like the wood fire, if it's the Romano style, the Detroit style, and it's in an old barn out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Mm. where you got crazy cocktails and it's a destination place you know like you got picnic tables everywhere you got fucking music blasting that's the ultimate right but will i get there i don't know yeah well nobody knows but do you, especially now but do you right. um like okay so an idea like that because it's, it's funny i it's funny you mentioned that like barn idea uh somebody that uh, I respect in the industry, who's like a bartender, had pitched me on doing that with him, uh, doing like a cocktail barn. And oh, I was like, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, but do you think that works in like where where we are located? Or would you yeah, have to go do Yeah. No, for sure. Like, I think you have something that's like, I live out in New Dundee. So like something out, just on the outskirts, like mm. it's got a little bit of land, you know, you got some fucking trees, you've got, you know, that it's a destination. It's, you're getting out of the city. You're going somewhere, and yeah, it's all about location and scenery, right? Like, yeah, it's not that, your average it, it, restaurant. Like, you're right. in something different, you know. Uh-huh. Me and me and my wife we, uh, last year we were in the Kawartha area, and we stumbled across this little tiny vineyard, and they had a little tiny barn that had a pizza oven in it. And it was just on top of this valley, and you look down into Kawartha Lakes, and it was fucking stunning. Yeah. And it was like that. What gave me the idea of like, why can't we have something like this? Obviously, we don't have Kawartha Lakes around us, but you know, no, like, but river you need, or something. You, you know, you would need some sort of visual for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, owning my own thing is like obviously it's everybody, every chef's dream. You know. Right. Yeah. Well, sometimes the dream becomes a nightmare, my friend. I fucking know, <laughs> man. I know. Uh, like this, yeah. this whole fucking yeah. Well, we don't have to talk. Yeah, we don't have to talk about. It. We talk enough about that on the shows. Right. I try. I try and stay positive. But um, okay, so I one thing I just because we got in this idea about the barn, we were talking something like a little bit about this earlier. What what do you think about like? Kitchen Waterloo is a community. Is it? Because I was at a point where it's like, okay, we're there. We're ready to bring new ideas to the city. The city's for sure. ready for it. And mm-hmm. then, like, I brought a new idea, a couple different ones now. And I feel like sometimes it's there, and sometimes it's like we're not quite there yet. Like one hundred percent, depending on the week, right? Like, yeah, no, it's crazy. Like we are. A small, big town. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we, we think we're a big city, but we're really not. Like, you start implementing, you know, crazy new foods and new trends that are that are exciting in, like, New York or Toronto or wherever, and people don't get it here. 
mm-hmm. but then you have your people that do get it but that's only a small handful you know we, we still we're still a small town you know yeah. we're still surrounded by Elmira and St. Jacobs and you know we got yeah so how do we get like in your opinion how do we get these new friends like what is the formula to, and maybe maybe there isn't one if, and if that's your answer I accept it we just like, need to close down these fucking chain restaurants like Chuck's Roadhouse and fucking Boston <laughs> Pizza yeah. and shit like that that Crabby people Joe's yeah well if people are like oh Oh, I go to graffiti, I spend 22 bucks on four slices of pizza, or I can order fucking double-double and get yeah. fucking two large fucking garlic bread and wings for fucking 14 bucks. So it's yeah. the, the value mentality. But, but, but little do they know that everything that is on that pizza is sourced locally, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like I'll talk about... I, I know you're big into local food sourcing, so talk to me about how... Talk, talk to me about local food sourcing and how important it is. No, it's super important. Like, you know, to give back to the community and give back to the the growers and the farmers in a rural area, you know? Like, why wouldn't we support them? Why why would we import tomatoes from California when we can grow them here, you know? Like, like mm-hmm. recently it was Food Day Canada, so I took two of my young chefs and we did a little tour of the farmer's market and then we went out to Anthony John's um, Soil Reputation out yes. by Stratford there and they were fucking blown away like he's pulling tomatoes off the vine and he's like shoving them in their hand he's like fucking eat that and they're like holy shit like that's yeah. that's what food's about it's not about it being green and then getting on a fucking truck or a plane and ripening on its way to the grocery store like why why would we do that we've got so much great farmers around great like fucking like Fred and Ingrid at Perth Pork like Aaron at Macintosh Farms, like we 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 we're surrounded by it, so you know. And the good thing is, is we support them, and then they support us. Their kids come into the establishment, you know, like they come in for family dinners, and they see the product that they raised on their plate, but done up differently, right? Like, yeah. So well, it's I, just it's so important, man. Like, I'm glad important. you brought that up too, because I think that you can expand that to all parts of our industry. And I don't care if you live in a big fucking city like mm-hmm. New York or Toronto or Chicago, or you live in a smaller city like we live in. This whole, if you are in the industry, the name of this fucking podcast. If you are in this industry, then this is all about us looking out for each other. Each other. That's like it. we are all in this together because it is not fucking easy. It's not easy, no. And it's like, the circle. It's the circle of like of life, like you know. Yeah. Something grown in your backyard, you produce it into something, goes into somebody's mouth. They enjoy it, and it's given back. You know, it's it's so fucking important, and it's that's that's why local food is 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 so important to me. Yeah, I'm I, all about community. I'm all about, you know. I'm glad you brought that up too, though, because I think it's um, that sometimes I know it's become almost like cliche to say farm to table or like yeah. to say to say like oh local ingredients. So I'm, like, let's dig in. Let's talk about why that's so fucking important because it's exactly what you say. Because it's not what what, what was the line you said earlier? Like freezer to fryer. Right. Like, yeah, freezer to yeah. fryer. Yeah. Like obviously these big. Um, Games. Companies that food distribution companies have a place in the industry, like they mm-hmm. can supply you toilet paper and paper towels and all the shit, right? At the same time as they're supplying you whatever heads of lettuce, right? But like, can you explain to our listeners the difference in flavor from like 
something that's sourced locally that you went and got at a market and brought and then put and then cooked in in your meal that evening at the restaurant compared to something that came from a food distributor that you pulled out of your freezer and then there's no comparison like it's fucking night and day you know like so I have a guy Aaron um, so he's in Simcoe and he he's a local forager so he he's out like lobster mushrooms chanterelles like so fucking like using his product like I go out I'll come back to the restaurant I'll be like lads here I got some chanterelles some lobster mushrooms some chicken of the woods and then if you were to put that against some fucking mushrooms that you got from, like, Flanagan's or Cisco, it was completely different. But the price difference is, it's a little bit more. But the quality you're getting, like, this guy fucking went out and spent eight hours collecting these fucking mushrooms, you know? like. And so maybe it's about the fucking education for the guest that, like, the reason we, that our restaurant costs a little bit more is because of this, right? We tr- we try to do that. So yeah. we're we're feast on certified Ontario pork cer- cer- uh, certified. So we have a little decal on the door that if anybody understands what feast on is, they'll know that we support we support local. It's it's on the menu too. So mm-hmm. feast on, we need to be. I think it's forty percent of our menu needs to come from Ontario. So okay, it's so a, it's a little uh, yeah uh, yeah. But here's the problem: like, we're not educating the guests enough, then, because like, what do you think? Ninety percent of the people don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah, for sure. But then, with through social channels, through Instagram and all that shit, we try and push, um, you know, who we support, you know, and we have it on our menu. Like it says, who we support. There's a big chunk on the back of the menu of all the farmers and local artisans. Fucking yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, yeah and we, I t- we try, and we try and get our server team behind it too. Like, okay, actually, um, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, uh, just because I come from the front of the house, you come from the back of the house. Yeah, you um, talk to me about the struggles or of like training your serving staff, and I and I'm just gonna say this because uh, being being in the front of the house all the time, I'm, I'm often like, like, fuck, man, the chef is not my boss the GM of the front of the house is my boss. You know what I mean? Like, right. So talk about like this, the challenges of training a serving staff to sell your, your, what you're doing in the back of the house properly. So what we try to do is like, if there's any new, new menu items that are coming out, we'll host a seminar and we'll explain it. We'll go through line by line, you know, give them specs, explain where the farm is and, 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 spend the time on it you know like Mm -hmm. drop that knowledge give them that education so they can go to the table and sell it properly right like yeah what i would say about 30 percent don't really give a fuck they're just there for a paycheck you know right but you do have a good handful of people that will listen and will go to the table and be like do you know that fucking chef sourced this cheese from fucking woodstock and the flour is from cambridge and the pepperoni is made in fucking Ajax, you know, like. And do you think it's just like because there's people who are in this for the long haul, and there are people who are just trying to get to just school get through or school? Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. that's is, is that's that the exactly main it. difference? I that's like, the main difference for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, and that's fair. Like, fuck, man, the job's there for everybody, right? No, like, for sure. Yeah. For sure it is. For sure it is. And you but, can't and you can't get mad, you know? Like, but you can get fucking frustrated. You can get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure you can. Yeah. 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 There's a yeah. lot of that that happens, frustration. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, I, I appreciate you coming and talking to us. Hey. Uh, this has been fun. I love you, man. Is that it? Is that a fucking hour and a bit? Yeah, yeah. Wow. We, it flies. It flies on this Most show, man. Fun. You're just talking. You're just talking. Okay, you let me know when you do want to do volume two. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think we want to. We, uh, you know what? I want. You know, here's what we're gonna do. You and I are gonna brainstorm like a specific deep dive into a certain topic for volume okay. two. Okay. Hey, Brian, man, I love you. It's been hey, so great to love talk you to too, you, man. Yeah. Thanks, okay. Dad. This is right. awesome. Thank you so uh, much. If, if anybody wants to get in touch with your social media wise, with or, me? Yeah. yeah. Or just like, is there anything you want to plug regarding? Uh, just Chris for opening up. Rich Uncle opening up soon. And that's it. Like I'm at, at Chef McCourt on Instagram, and that's it. Yeah. Right, right on. Thanks, everybody. Love you. Okay, love you too. Okay, bye.